Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Today, we're going to look at together in church. All right? So we are together in church. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say about, about that. Hebrews 10 and verse 25, and before we read, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we can call you that. We do so every time we start a prayer, we say, Dear Heavenly Father, but that we can actually call you Father took a wonderful work of mercy and grace Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the work that you did to make your Father ours. And today, as we're in church, we thank you that the Father of this family knows we're here. I thank you, Father, for ministering your love and your peace and goodness and kindness to your children today as we sit in your house together. Help us to hear what you have to say and honor you by doing it so that you can bless our lives in the doing of your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hebrews 10, 25, let us, let us not neglect our meeting together. Uh, it shows us here that it is possible to neglect coming together. Uh, it, coming together can be uh, developed and become like a habit, like uh, you, you, you wouldn't consider doing anything else. You will just, we just always come together. It goes on to say, as some people do. So it is possible to neglect coming together. And it's common for some people to neglect coming together, but the scripture says here, don't neglect it. Come together. All right? And it says to encourage one another to do that. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And when the writer of Hebrews wrote this about 2,000 years ago, uh, he said it's near. Well, it's really near now. Really near now. And so, why? Why is he telling us we need to be together and not to neglect coming together? In other words, coming regularly together. Why? So we're going to look at three things um, in the Word of God, and there's more. We're just only going to look at three things about being together in church. And I believe they will help us and they'll strengthen us. And then when we do come together, uh, we can actually have a greater expectation of what's to happen when we do come together and why we can come together. <clears throat> so the first reason that we're going to look at is uh, we come together for communication, for communication. And what I mean by that is God talks to us. Does he talk to us? when we're not together, when we're not all together in church? Yeah, every day he talks to us. Every day he has things to say to us. But when we come together, you have to know this. God has something to say to us. 
And not only does he have something to say to us, but we have something to say to him. We just got through. When we were worshiping the Lord, we were saying things to him. We were worshiping him. We prayed to him and say, so we talk to God. And then not only that, but God talks through us. God talks through us. And so thank God for this kind of communication. We come in the church family to have communication, all right, from God through us. Now, does God have something to say directly to us? Yes, he does. But he also, with the message, has something to say. Through the worship, has something to say. Not only that, but he also talks, this, look at this last one, from us to us. The talking from God does not only come from this platform. It's going on all the time in the rows, in the aisles, in the back, in the front, in the, uh, in the aisles. It's wonderful to have this communication from God. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter in verse 16, he says this. Don't you realize, Paul was talking to a whole church. He said, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. So, Paul was telling this church that not only is the body, your body, a temple of the living God, your body is, say this, my body is a temple of the living God. Say it again. You know, when we, a lot of times when we think we're going to church, we think the, the church, or we pass maybe a, a building, we say there's a church. Actually, since what Jesus did, he calls our bodies a temple. Hmm. But not only that, but Paul was telling a whole church there in Corinth, he said this, that when you come together, you make up the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. Alone, when we're thinking about it that way, alone, just individually, you are a stone. Alone, you are a stone. But together, or when you put those stones together, you can make a house. In fact, First Peter, and I don't have this in this verse of Scripture, but if you're taking notes, write it down. It's a great verse. First Peter 2 and 5 said this, that he is building with living stones. You are a, a living stones, and Jesus is building a spiritual house with all of us all together. When we're not built together, we're just stones here and there and everywhere, but when we're put together, we actually make a house for worship and for God to work with and work through. Jesus said this in Matthew, the 16th chapter, and verse 18, he said, I will build my church. He said, I'll build my church, all right? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he's building individual lives, but he's not just building individual lives. He puts those lives together and calls that church, okay? So actually, in your Bible, in the New Testament, there's the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then there's Acts, and then there's, there's some letters. They're called epistles. And those epistles are actually letters to churches. 
We have us read in Ephesians. That was a letter to a church. Colossians is a letter to a church. Corinthians, we just got through reading that verse, is a letter to a church. Only the two letters to Timothy were personal letters to people. The other epistles are, are letters to a whole church. Do you see how important a church or a group of people is to God? So together in church, there is tremendous power potential in us coming together. Amazing. Again, this is all a part of communication, together in communication. God has got, God has got amazing power, and he want, he's got amazing answers and, and help and blessing and strength. He wants to communicate that to us, and it happens when we are together. Notice what, uh, Acts 2 and verse 1. Uh, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and this was 50 years after, or 50 days after Jesus um, was crucified. Uh, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now that, both of those, those two things are very important. They were not just in one place, they were in one accord. What does one accord mean? That, that's kind of a uh, a, a Bible terminology, what does one accord mean? Well, if we can think about it electronically, if we had any sparky here, they would uh, be able to break it down a little clearer for us. But to be able to, for electricity to achieve what it's supposed to, to power something, to light something or whatever, you have to have an unbroken current through uh, a wire. Uh, if it depends on what it is you're powering, if it's big enough, you have to have more wires. You have to have more to be able to accommodate more current. If there's a break in that wire, if there's a short in that circuit, it doesn't matter how much power there is. Unless there is a circuit that is unbroken, the, it there, there will be no power traveling to its destination. Do you know there are people that don't even know that God has power or wants to do miracles because all they have seen is the result of broken currents? Think about this, guys. If the devil, if the devil knows that there can be tremendous power uh, communicated from heaven to earth through an unbroken current, what would he uh, try to do? He'd try to break that current, and he does it through strife or misunderstanding and all kind of things. He'll try to make separation between people because when it's like this, we're having current from God's, from God's heart, from God's power. And so we see that this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were all with one accord. One little wire can accommodate a certain amount of power. You get more wires bound together, and it can accommodate more power yet. But if you, if you want to power something mighty that takes a lot of power, you can have cords that run about like that, big cords, all together, when God can get people together in one accord, we can have significant power from heaven communicated on earth. 
That is what God desires to have happen, and it happened on the day of Pentecost. They were not just in one accord, scattered out all over the city. They were in one accord in one place, in one room. So we're talking about together in church, all right? And so notice what it goes on to say. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. One sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As they came into one accord in that upper room, in that one room, the Holy Spirit, in his power, was ushered in, and that began the church age. And oh, what a mighty deluge of power it was. Is that a once-in-a-lifetime thing? No. Not when people get together in one accord. God is still manifesting heaven on earth. He needs people to be together. There is no strife, there is no misunderstanding, there is no gossip that is worth the separation that cause a break in that connection of one accord. Let's put those things aside and let's get on to being in one accord so that God can do what God wants to do on earth. Can you say amen? amen. Now, let's go on. Not only that, uh, why do we want to be together in, in church and communication? Because uh, it is a greenhouse for spiritual growth. Spiritual growth isn't just automatic. You can be born again. Uh, and the Bible says when you're born again, you're, um, the Bible calls you a babe in Christ. Unlike natural growth, uh, there can be people that are born again and years later are still babies. And the Bible says indications of spiritual babies is not just them sucking on, you know, a, a pacifier or, or whatever. It's actually if we talk bad about people. It's a sign of a spiritual baby or competition to one another. It's a sign of spiritual baby. Well, we want to grow up. And the Bible in the epistles are always an encouragement. Let's grow up. Let's grow up and act like our father, all right? So, uh, but it's not automatic. And, uh, and it can't just be achieved uh, just in your own personal, not, not completely in your own personal devotions. Personal devotions are really important. Read your Bible, as a little song sang that we had in children's church, read your Bible. Somebody sing it along with me. Pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. You know, you want me to teach it to you? No, it's okay, it's okay. So, but anyway, reading your Bible and praying every day is a part of a spiritual diet that helps you to grow. Another component, though, of spiritual growth is in addition to reading your Bible and praying every day because it is also, uh, what is also a component of it is the opportunity to grow up in love. 
You can't love by yourself. You think you can, because that's when you feel so like everybody's your friend, is when they're not with you, and they're not getting on your nerves. And you study, study the whole seminar on the love walk and, and, and have 1 Corinthians 13 in beautiful, uh, you know, in, on a frame on the wall, and it's beautiful and wonderful songs, and you're just thinking you just love the world. Oh, I just love God. I love everybody until they come around you. And it's like, <laughs> The love eat walk would be so easy if it weren't for people. So, but maturity and growing up in God is not measured in your book collection, your worship collection. It's not even measured in the gifts that are in operation in your life. 1 Corinthians 13th chapter said, you can have faith to move mountains, but if you're not loving, the Bible said actually you're nothing. Like a tinkling brass and a crashing cymbal. So what church does is give us the opportunity to use the same word and work it out together, which is great. Ephesians, the third chapter in verse 17 is a prayer about growing in love, being rooted in love, Paul prayed this prayer for, again, the whole church in Ephesus, okay? So he's praying this prayer for the church, and this part of the prayer is so strong that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded, what? In love, what would you be able to do? You'd be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the breadth, and the height of the love of God. And that verse of Scripture goes on to say, or that portion of Scripture goes on to say, that you would become a body filled with the presence of God. How many of you would love to know the height, the breadth, the length, and the depth of the love of God? I mean, as much as we know the love of God, as much as any we've ever been touched with the love of God, it is only a drop of the love that is in the whole ocean of all God's love. He's amazing in his love. Well, the Bible says here, if you put that verse of Scripture back up again, in, first, in Ephesians, the third chapter, and verse 18, it says that you would be able to comprehend with what? Say that again. Comprehend with what? You can't comprehend the width, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of God by yourself. It's not a personal, you don't have the personal capacity to understand the width, the length, the breadth, and the, and the height of all the love of God. But you do have a corporate capacity. You want to know how big the love of God is? It is manifested with all the saints. Amen? So we come together and we're able to comprehend more. Why? Because the love of God is ministered directly to you, comes directly to you when no one's around. It had, did to me this last week. No one's around. But some of the love that I've come to know, the love of God, has come through somebody else. The way they ministered, the way they said it, they were 
tangible love to me. It wasn't just written somewhere in the sky or on a piece of paper. It was love in the flesh. So there is the love of God never has meant to be platonic from us. I love you. It, it, it's, he wanted to be in flesh and dwell among us and touch and help. All right? So we come to know the love of God that way. Another thing, we, we have, you know, um, uh, your own destiny, which is good according to God's destiny for you. It's a good plan. But it requires us to have revelation of him. And revelation of who we are. But it also requires relationships. We never get to the end of God's purpose for our life alone. Jesus said it this way. If you want to be the best that you can be in the kingdom, be a servant to other people. So, we lay down our life for other people. You think, well, uh, my family, my family it gives me plenty of opportunity. My personal family gives me personal opportunity to walk in love. Anybody get, have a daily opportunity to love, walk in love with your family? Yeah. Sometimes it's a real stretch. But, of course we do. The, this, though, where, where church is concerned, is that's the family of God. Church is the family of God, and by being together in church, it's not only walking in love with your personal family, but gives you opportunity to immerse your family in the family of God, seeking first the kingdom of God, his family, and his righteousness. It's one of the safest places to raise a family is in the family, the greater family of God. I know I watch my dad lay his life down for church family. My mother, too, lay her life down for church family. Did it make me want to stay away then from church family? No, because church family then, following their model, I, they became my model of, of what they valued, and their value became my value wasn't hard for me to, to, be, to have church as my church family because, because it had always been that way in growing up. Now, look at this. Let's look at uh, something that we have kind of built in to this. We have Sunday. This church has Sunday morning. But we have recently, uh, because of exactly what we're talking to you about, the greenhouse effect and the potential power that comes when we are together in God, uh, we have home groups. And it's not just so that we can have home groups. and blah, blah. No, it's actually to give opportunity for people to come together around the Word of God, around, around social, uh, same interests, so that we can be together and grow together up in God. On your, on your seats is a brochure. If you're not in a home group, I want to encourage you. My life in this last term has grown as a result of being together with other believers. My life has been rich through the love that has come through, uh, through other people. In home groups, prayer groups, social groups, 
We have different ways for you to get together. We really want to encourage you to do so. I also want to say, if you're a new believer, or you just, or you could be even somebody that's been born again for a while, but don't feel like you have a grip on the, the basics of the Word of God or on what we as a church believe, we have an I Believe class that's going to be starting up to. Go to the Hub. Check that out. It'll be a blessing to you. Now, I want to, us to look at together in crisis. This is the second thing. Second thing, when we are together in church, we do life together. It's not that we just do life and then we come together on Sunday uh, to, to listen to the word of God or worship together. Actually, as life happens, we can do it together and it's it's strong and it's so helpful. Let me show you a verse of scripture. Acts of fourth chapter in verse 23. It says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers. Freed from what? Well, they were in prison. Why were they in prison? Because they did a miracle. They, there was a man that, was, that had been crippled since he was, he was born. And they, they uh, ministered to him. And, and the Bible says he, he got up and he ran leaping and jumping in the, in the temple. And they got into a peck of trouble for helping that man be healed. They were threatened. They said, don't you ever preach again in the name of Jesus. So what did they do? Well... They left, and they said, we got to get out of this. We're scared. Let's just kind of hibernate. No. Notice what this word said. As soon as they were free, say, as soon as. Say it again. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers. Uh, King James says they returned to their own company. And they told them what the leading priests and the elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted up their voice together in prayer to God, O oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. And they also prayed some other things. Going on down to verse 29, we'll pick up their prayer. It says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done by the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the place, the meeting place, not the people. Have you seen people ever shake in church? I've seen people shake in church. I've shook, I've shooken, shooken. Oh, well. Um, but this said the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. Let's look at another example in Acts the 12th chapter in verse 5. But while Peter was in prison, look at what happened. And he was in prison again later on because also a, a powerful life and ministry, miracles and helping. But, oh, miracles can make religious people mad. And so they put him in prison. But look what happened. The church prayed very earnestly for him. The church prayed. It doesn't say, and Peter, great apostle Peter, he prayed a mighty prayer. No, 
In this case, it says the church prayed. And another, another translation of this in King James said they prayed constantly. They prayed constantly. And what is so good about this, it says, as a result of their prayer, look what happened. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. Why didn't an angel show up on the scene in this cell? Because Peter's prayers were so amazing? No, because the church prayed. Why did the church pray? Because one of their own got put in prison. So they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed earnestly. Not a little dab Kleenex prayer. Bless them, Lord. Also them, and them, and them. In fact, bless the whole world. Not that kind of prayer. <laughs> Earnest prayer. Look at what happened. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to waken him up and said, get up, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. It goes on to say that the doors, there were two doors of the prison, they just opened at their, they just opened of their own accord. It was very supernatural. Supernatural things don't just bang, just happen. We can see in the Bible how supernatural things bring power to earth. It's from being in one accord. It's from being together in one place. We practice being together in one place and being together with people that maybe, you know, maybe we don't think alike, we don't look alike, we didn't come from the same background. Ah, it really doesn't make any difference. There were fishermen and there was tax collector together in that upper room and there, culturally speaking, they're at odds at different spectrums of, of, you know, the social scale or whatever, thrown together because in God's family, if Jesus is your Lord, you have one Father, one Lord, you're in one family and in one church. So we come together in the name of Jesus. We practice that unity. Bless the Lord. Now, when do we come? Crisis. It'd be really wonderful. The, 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 the church isn't a, the church isn't a, um, you know, a cave where we all hide so that life doesn't happen to us. The church is to be out. The church is to be dispensing God. It's out in the world. Jesus said this, I don't pray, Father, that you take them out of the world. I just pray that you protect them from the, the wicked one. He said, in this world, you will have, Jesus is talking, in this world, you'll have tribulation. But he said, don't be afraid. Why? I've overcome the world. Well, but we can do it together. We can, we can live life together, our families together. Um, and I didn't ask Bronson and Sade if it was okay if I say this, but I, I sense in my heart it is fine. But they have, um, you know, just a month ago, it was a, a huge impact to their life. A huge impact to this whole church family, to their, to their family. When little Zarina went home to Jesus, which she's been in heaven now a month, which will be wonderful for her. 
wonderful for her. But what I observed, I observed, and I thought it this morning when I, or yesterday when I was looking at Acts, when, when this happened, instead of isolating themselves and pulling away and trying to close out anything, they didn't. They ran. They said, we're staying with our company. We're staying with our company. And they've let the company be around them. And when I say company, I'm talking about church family. There is, there is strength that comes directly from God, and then there is strength that comes through members of the body that absolutely fortify, sure up, hold up. There is no way the enemy is having that family. You see what I mean? So we've seen, we've seen in them like a supernatural peace, uncommon resolve. And I'll tell you something else I've seen too. He's, he picked on the wrong people. I told Sade the other day, you know, the, the last time, it was the first time she led worship after that, after Zarina's gone in heaven, there's a, new, there's a new fervency on the inside of her. Something is growing and bigger. I'm telling you what, what happened in the book of Acts in these two different instances, the devil meant to drive those people down and out and close them up. But as a result of the strength that came from the head of the church, through the church, those things that were meant to take the apostles out, meant to take Brunson and Sade out, meant to take you out, doesn't have to take you out. It actually is the catalyst to what God wants to do in your life. Amen. So it turns it around. How many of you are open for some divine turnaround? A lot of that turnaround comes when you get in the Word of God. You speak the Word of God. But what we're looking at today is there is a strength that comes from the head of the church, from the head of the church, through the church. Stay in company. All right? I want to give you another example. This is closer to me. You know, at the beginning of the year, maybe some of you have joined or come along or you, you weren't here in our church when this happened, but at the first of the year, I was given a, a bad report of cancer, and I'm just telling you the truth. It absolutely shocked me. I was like, really? What? And anyway, uh, when Tony and I prayed about what to do, you know, you just think, I, I'm, I'm being really quite honest. I'm thinking, uh, I'm b being totally honest. You have these thoughts go through your head. I, I don't want anyone to know. They'll, they'll wonder what I did or what, something was wrong or then maybe I don't have faith or, or they'll think, well, what will they think of me? And I, I, I remember, you know, those thoughts, they didn't, they, I wasn't obsessing on them, but they did go through. And so I was thinking, how do I journey this and not, so that you guys, I don't have to tell you, you know? And so I remember 
uh, I came in the living room. Tony was sitting on the couch. He says, we're going to tell the church. He said, we're to tell the church. And I sat down now on the couch, and he said, he said, because we are having victory, and this isn't to be a private victory. This is to be a church victory. So he said, we're to do this with the church. I'm so glad. I tell you what, I, I, um, I was in Melbourne when and he told you, but literally in another city, in another state, I f- on that morning, I felt like a weight lifted off of me because the church came up. Oh, I love you. <laughs> it's wonderful. What a wonderful thing we have. So I do have victory, but it's not just my victory. It's your victory. You helped me. Um, and then I, I had in my heart to ask you to help our family in another, our personal family, our natural family in an area. Uh, for those of you um, that have been with us a while, you know we have two daughters. Now everybody knows we have two daughters. Both of them um, uh, live, well, one of them lives in China. The oldest lives in South Carolina, married to this wonderful man that moved her away from us. <laughs> but we love him. He came here. He helped build in here. He was with us for three months. We adore him. He's a man of God. Beautiful. He's a gorgeous guy. I love him. But anyway, he got a bad report of Lyme disease. He, he works, uh, you know, he's a horticulturist outside and everything. They got a tick bite, and they didn't even know when it happened. But it, it, um, that thing has been mean. And you know what? This last week, I got mad. I thought, you wicked Lyme disease. You are so a curse, and I'm not having you um, in our family. And um, uh, he's, the, he's my husband, or he's my daughter's husband, and he's the father of my future grandchildren. Get off of him. Amen. Could you be in agreement with our family that he is a redeemed man? That is Evan, Evan Brown. He is redeemed. Hallelujah. Okay, so praise the Lord on that. Now, uh, let's just go on. So, if you have, life smacks you. We have, uh, you know, it took us a little while to sort everything, but we've got it. We've got an amazing um, um, system where if a part of our body, our church family, is hurting, you just report it, and it gets into prayer groups right away, right away. People are praying for you right away. I love that. Don't, don't suffer alone. Don't deal with stuff alone. Report it to the head. Let the head start working and helping you. Amen? So you can be a part of those prayer teams. That's, a, that's also a way to connect. All right? You can also be a part. We, this is, it, not everything is just spiritual like prayer and reading the Bible. Sometimes that love is manifested in food. Can anyone say amen? I know, yeah, these guys are saying amen. Even, you know, when I was in that, in that situation with me for about a week, I had, I mean, people, a week and a half, maybe two weeks, the food was coming, and I was just like, oh, 
Thank you, Lord. It was really, really good. If you want to be a part of that meal team, if you can cook, and they don't really have to just pray a miracle over your food, <laughs> but if you can actually cook, it's a way for, oh, it's such a blessing. Okay, let's go on. Let's go to... Um, Let's go into the third one. Let's look at the third one. And that is together in cause. Say cause. We have a reason to be. We're not just a club to just come and massage each other's backs and, and talk sweet to one another. We have a cause, okay? So that we get ministry to one another here, but we, it is so we have a cause. Basically, it's the Great Commission. We have a great, great mission from the head of the church, and that is to, that everybody knows that he's alive and that he did a work for them so that they could be a part of his father's family. Now, we can't do it alone. We do it together. Giving is one of the ways that we come together. Giving is a, is a big thing. In Acts, the 11th chapter, and uh, at verse 28, there was a famine, a great famine, uh, that Agabus, the prophet, foretold, and he saw was coming. And so look at verse 29. It says, so the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. One person might not have been able to give a whole lot. It had been like, you know, just... One person given maybe a Macca. But if, you, but if you got a whole church of people given, if you have a whole church of everybody given what they can, hey, we're moving something around here, making a difference. Uh, you know, in, in Papua New Guinea, we've got two Bible schools. You hear of, hear of them often. And each one of those schools costs about $35,000 a year. Well, Tony and I can't, $35,000, Kevin, pay up. <laughs> to, separately, we may not be able to, but together, we're not just doing one school, we're doing two, and we just got started. It's amazing, and people are, Coming out of, the, out of villages and places all over, pastors and leaders are coming into the school. And Papua New Guinea's going to start up another one in what? How many weeks? When's the next one? In two weeks' time. So here they're, they're already starting to come that way. Some of them come in canoes. They got to get a jump start on it, <laughs> a float start on it. Tony's not here, so I've happened to shoulder the joke thing, okay? <laughs> so, amazing what we can do together. Let's think about prayer. Prayer is something that we can do together. Amazing cause. Look at Matthew, the, the 18th chapter. If you'll put up that verse of scripture, Matthew 18 and verse 18. Jesus Christ is talking here. And he said, I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So some people are saying, God, don't let this happen. Tell the devil to not let that happen. Stop that. Stop that from happening. And what Jesus was saying, he looked at his people. He said, 
Whatever you stop, I'll back up. Whatever you say goes, I'll back it up. Amazing. So look at verse 19. He said, I also tell you, notice, that the, pro- notice the proximity of these verses of Scripture. I tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything that you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. And then he says this, so powerful, where two or three are gathered together as my followers, there am I in the midst. When two or three are gathered, he's there in the midst for us to get prayers answered, but for us to also do what the, the, the name church in the Greek is ecclesia, and it came from uh, a, a word used way back in Athens of a group of people that legislated what happened, legislated policy. He calls us a legislating group of people. Yes, we worship. Yes, we receive the word of God, but we also say, No, devil, you're not doing that anymore. Amen? We got a prayer request, and on Sunday nights we pray, and on on, um, uh, the third Sunday of every month, we pray for Australia. It's not the only time we pray. We pray a lot. On Sunday nights, mostly, we pray a lot about Australia and and Springwood and, and Logan and Brisbane and all, but because um, the Lord told us, he, he, he said, if you want to have a voice to the city, you have to first have a voice for the city. If you want to be known to the city, you have to talk to me for them on their behalf, So, which we do. But we got a prayer request a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, from a, a school teacher, one of our a church family way up on the west side in a school there that there came a, a real spike in, in um, suicide and self-harm. It was bad anyway, but it went, woo, went really up high. Terrible. Well, what do you do? Oh, God, oh, God, oh, help, help, help. Well, we, we did. We prayed for all the people involved But behind that insidious thing are spirits that we cannot see. And our our war is not with people that we can see. The Bible is very clear that we, our war is against principalities and powers, against demons for crying out loud. And do you know what? We don't have authority over people, but we do have authority in the name of Jesus over things, over those spirits that drive people to hurt themselves, take their own lives. And you know what? We said, no, not. Stop it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We're the church. God has us in our community to say, yes, let blessings come. And devil, no more. You're not doing this anymore. Not here. Amen? This is our community. This is our area. This is our garden. Let's take care of it. 
And as the church, he said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, you make up ecclesia, you make up a legislative group. You can do it in your home group. You can do it in your prayer groups. You can do when we come together and, um, you know, when we pray for Australia, it's not just because, you know, it's a kind of a nice thing to do sometimes. No, I'm telling you, we're going to get more and more prescriptive in our prayer. We're going to be praying about things, and we're seeing changes. Can you agree with me on that? We're seeing changes for our kids. We're seeing changes for our families. And we're seeing changes. You know, Queensland is, is noted, noted, or Logan's noted. I can't remember. It's Queen or Logan noted for the greatest place for all domestic violence in the country. We're not having that here. Amen. So we don't attack people. We come after against aggravating and tormenting uh, spirits that cause that kind of a thing. We can stop it. We can, change, uh, we can change things, the tide, economically as well. Let's just see what we could do as the church if we come together. Let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Let's come together. Let's come expecting to hear from God. Let's, let's come expecting that he'll talk directly to us. Let's come expecting that he will talk through somebody else. Sometimes it'll even be a, a, a child will say something. Somebody that you're not even expecting will say that often. When I'm out and about in the aisles in the back, I've heard things that have like, oh, thank you for telling me. Came through you. Came through you. Talk to one another. Bless one another. We help one another as we do life together. Amen? We are the church and we do life together. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this amazing plan to bring us into your family. We couldn't get there by any of our works, good works, good reputation. We can't get there, couldn't get into your family, can't get into heaven by anything that we do. You said to believe, to believe. Jesus said, anyone who believes in me won't perish but have everlasting life. Father, I pray for this congregation this morning. If there's anyone in here that's in this room, but they're not in the family of God. Or maybe they just aren't sure if they're in the family of God. Oh, Father, help them to know there's not one more day that should pass without them knowing. And they can know. They can know if they were to pass from this life that they would go to heaven. I pray, Father God, I pray, Father God, that the Holy Spirit will knock upon their heart right now, letting them know that Jesus wants to come into their life and be their Lord and their Savior. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.